This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Mike Francesa Podcast. And remember, you can send the emails to Mike Francesa Podcast at gmail.com. Send your questions, your comments, whatever's on your mind, and we will get to them. Here we go. This is from Richard. He's the first one up today. If Patrick Mahomes retired today, is he a Hall of Fame quarterback? You know, I don't dwell on this quarter, this Hall of Fame stuff the way a lot of fans do. It's not something that is very pressing to me. I don't think he's put in enough years yet. I think he's definitely on his way to being a Hall of Famer. I think he just needs to put in the requisite years to be a Hall of Famer. But if he retired tomorrow, I'd have a hard time uh, putting him in the Hall of Fame. I think his career, career hasn't been long enough yet. But he has. He will be clearly he's on track to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think there's any question. Uh, Dottie emails, enjoyed the podcast with you and the dog. Can you see yourself doing something regularly with him? I got asked a lot about this everywhere in the last couple of days. It's not something we can do on a regular basis for a lot of business reasons, which I'm not going into, okay? Let me just say that the Mike and the Mad Dog uh, brand and the idea of anything on a regular basis, there are so many people who would have their hands in it that it's not going to happen. I've told you that. It just is something that's probably never going to happen, and there's a lot of reasons why, business-wise, that I can't get into right now. But no, because uh, none of us have the freedom to just take off and do it. It's, it's not going to happen. Sorry. Um, we still like doing stuff together, but we do it on a very infrequent basis. I'm not saying it will be the only time this year, but I, I would think if it was once more this year, it would be a lot. Okay, no, we, we're not going to be able, unfortunately. I know people want it. Uh, I think it's wonderful that people still uh, have the same regard for the uh, program that they always have. Uh, and we know that it would be received very well, but it's not going to happen. Um, Ernie emails, Robert Sala told the media he was keeping receipts on everyone making fun of the Jets. I understand the emotion, but can't say that in New York. Is he now a lost cause? You cannot blink in New York. You cannot let your guard down in New York. Nobody likes getting beat up when they're down. Nobody likes getting kicked when you're down. But when you have come here and done nothing but lost, and you have not changed one thing, despite what you promised, you have not done one thing positive to take that stance will get you on the fast road out of here. You will grease the skids. All he has to do is look around and check when anybody has, and that's just the case of being sensitive and just losing your cool. You can't fight back when you have no ammunition. 
And if you try to get defiant when you're losing, you are going to get run straight out of town. This guy has not made a real positive move yet. He's made some real dumb ones, both as a head coach and some of his antics, like the escort to the garden and some of the other things he's pulled. He acted like a big-timer before he'd won a game. Win here first before you try to act like you belong. And you know what? Right now, he is digging himself a very deep hole. He needs to win and turn this around quickly. Mike in Long Valley, I watched Jeter's night on Friday and may have even been at the sta- and may have even been at the stadium. I watched Jeter's night on Friday night and may have been at the stadium. Uh, what do you mean? You either were or you weren't at the stadium. I don't know what that means. You may have even been at the stadium. It seems that he hinted at coming back and doing something with the Yankees in some capacity. Do you think he would serve better as Boone or Cashman's replacement? Um, I have no idea what Jeter wants to do. I really don't see Jeter taking any real active role with the Yankees. I'd be very, very surprised if that happens. Uh, The Yankees bring Jeter back for one reason, to sell tickets. Case closed. That's why they retire numbers. That's why they bring Jeter back and give him honors to sell tickets, to fill the stadium. Case closed. That's all it's about. Fill the stadium. That's what they're trying to do. And I I, I really don't see him. I don't think he has that relationship with the Yankees where he's going to take over the franchise. I don't think that's going to happen. I really would be very surprised. Joe and Islip, uh, as a lifelong Jets fan, I feel like I know the team's behavior so well no matter the personnel or the leadership. I want to start uh, personally profiting on that. What are your thoughts on bidding against your team to hedge them losing so much? Hey, listen, if you wager on games, it should be completely objective. You know what? If you wager as a fan, then that's just being a fan. If you're wagering because you think your team is an investment, hey, that's up to you. If you want to bet against your team, some people will never bet against the team. Some people will. You know what? It's up to you personally. It's, 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 you know what? If you want to bet against your team, I'm not going to hold it against you. That's for sure. Can you possibly name your favorite movie of all time? Um, I have movies in categories. I would say my favorite movie of all time, uh, if it came down to one movie, is probably The Godfather. But if you ask me about a Western, it's Shane. Uh, If you ask me about different genres, it's different things. I have a lot of movies. I have a lot of stars that I like. I like old Errol Flynn movies. I've always been an Errol Flynn fan. I've always been a John Garfield fan from way back. I love Body and Soul, the old John Garfield, uh, uh, Lily Palmer uh, boxing movie. Love that movie. It's hard to find, but it's a great movie. Um, I have a million movies that I'm, I'm fans of, but uh, I would say if you took it down to one movie and said, what's your favorite movie of all time? I would, I would think it's Godfather 1. I, w- I would say that's probably it. Uh, Paul emails, I'd like to get your memories from 9-11. Um, I was just starting high school and wasn't completely aware of what was happening until later that afternoon. I turned on the fan after school and was surprised to hear you and Charles McCord uh, how did that come to be? How did your day play out? Um, 
You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this, obviously, in the other day, and I, I actually on Sunday morning was watching some of the people read the names. And I was taken by just how genuinely emotional the people were 21 years later and their pain was just as evident as if it was one year or two years. You could see that in the folks as they remembered loved ones and then you know they'd read the names and they'd say something about the person that they lost or the person that they're connected to. Um, it really was very, very moving. And you remember that morning, it was such a beautiful, crystal clear, beautiful morning. And I was on the phone with my accountant and he said, something just flew into the building. Yeah, turn the news on. So I turned it on and then saw the second plane fly in. So I got on the phone to the station to Mark Chernoff and I said, he said, get, get in here as fast as you can. I said, okay. So I left around a quarter of 11. It might have been 1030-ish. I left the house. That's normally for me, we were still in Astoria at the time. Uh, so I would come up Grand Central, get off at Hoyt Avenue, go under the L and go that way to, uh, to, to Kaufman Astoria. When I got to Hoyt Avenue, I got up Hoyt. It was completely barricaded. I was like, oh, no, I need to make a left there and go down under the L or I can't get the fan. I said to the cop, I said, I introduced myself. He knew who I was. I said, listen, I got to get the fan. He goes, I can't let you through. We're not letting any cars go that way. No one's, we're turning every car back. I said, you got to give me a break here. I got to get the fan. He goes, listen, I'm going to open this. I'm going to pull the horse, you know, the wooden horse out of the way. And just go and don't stop. He pulled it out of the way. I got the car down the street. I got down the side street. I got into the fan parking lot. I got into the station. So all could not make it in from, at that point, could not make it in from uh, Connecticut. When I got there, Imus was still on the air. He said to me, uh, Turnoff came in my office and said, are you ready to replace Imus? I said, yes. I went in. And all I did was just basically, here's what we know, here's what we don't know, and just update. Warner Wolf was in the street in the city. He was nearby. He was calling in. I had people calling in who were listeners who were listening to the station. About mid-afternoon, Charles McCord came out and came in and sat in with me. He stayed with me for a couple hours, probably from like, I got on the air about 1130, maybe a couple minutes, about, I'd say about 1130 if I had a guess. Around three or so, Charles, you know, they used to always do their, uh, tape their bits for the next day and be in the production studio till about two o'clock. Charles used to write everything, remember? 
and they do all their bits and all the voices and they do all their work and everything. And then they go leave around two o'clock every day. Um, he came in and sat with me and did a couple of hours with me. And then I stayed until about a quarter, about 10.30 p.m. on the air by myself. Uh, I, I, let, I got off the air around 10.30. When I walked outside and walked from the Kaufman Astoria across the street to our parking lot, which was on the next block, I could smell the what was burnt from the city because, you know, as the crow flies, it's not that far. It really isn't to the site. And there was a heaviness in the air. When I got on the main street and then it's a straight line right to the highway. If I go down the side street, I can go right onto the ramp, right onto the Grand Central. I get on the Grand Central, same way I always did. I did not see not one vehicle in either direction all the way home. Not one vehicle. I've been on the street sometimes where I was doing my Sunday night show at NBC, and I would leave my house on Super Sunday at halftime and drive into the city, and you would see very few cars on the road during the Super Bowl. But there would still be a little traffic. This is the only time that I had not one vehicle anywhere. None, on the hot, none going in, obviously none coming out, no movement, nothing. We had... People staying at my house. As a matter of fact, Coach Parcells couldn't get out of town. He was staying at our house. There were a couple other people staying at our house who couldn't get out of town. Friends who came and stayed with us. He stayed with us. He was in watching the news when I came in my uh, office when I got back, back home. Um, it was an eeriness and a day I will never forget. You know, I can still remember every day, every minute of it. And I can still remember as I talk about those things that, you know, were so clear that went on that day. You know, and people will say, oh, you know, I remember you and the dog. And No, they don't. They think they remember that. But the dog and I weren't together. He never, he didn't work that day. It was me, and then it was me and McCord. So the person, Paul, who mentions that and mentions Charles McCord is very right. Iggy uh, emails, in the NFL, you hear the word collaboration when speaking about the relationship between the NFL head coaches and the general managers. Our NFL owners hire young head coaches that will do what the owners and general managers instruct them to do. Um, they want to have everybody on the same page. You are seeing a movement towards... A division where you're getting a general manager who's in charge of personnel and then getting a head coach in a lot of circumstances. Not every, but all, most of the time. And you all see them now. You're seeing young, offensive-minded head coaches being hired. That are the, those are the guys who are usually getting the job. Uh, David was a little older. He had been waiting a long time for a head coaching job. Uh, but 
It's been offensive guys who are getting hired. It is usually very young offensive coaches who are being hired. And that's why some of them look very green during these games. So some of them got off to good starts. Some had a good week one. That was the case in Minnesota. That was the case in Miami. It wasn't the case in uh, some other places. And it is very, very hard for a coordinator to make that leap to being a head coach. It is a completely different job. As a coordinator, you are in charge of a unit. And you're going to formulate a game plan. You're going to be in charge of a unit. You're going to have some assistance underneath you. But you are not doing what a head coach does. What a head coach does is solve problems. Everything comes across his desk. What's going on with this staff comes across his desk. What's going on with every player on the roster comes across his desk. Every issue comes across his desk. And that brand of leadership, especially in the NFL, is really hit or miss. Some guys look ready for it. Some guys don't look ready for it. But when you start in a city like this, when you get off slow and then you start to get defiant, what you're saying is, I can't handle the heat. And that's the first step towards the owner saying, we have a problem here. We're not only losing, we're unraveling. And you've seen coaches unravel here and unravel quickly. So you have to, you have to. There's that old commercial where they say, don't let them see you sweat. In this town, you can't let them see you sweat. Even when things are getting hot, you can't let them see you sweat. Be looking for a podcast. Be looking for podcasts after the ball games. Be looking for a football, a Francesca Football Friday podcast each week. Bet Rivers Network or wherever you go for your podcast needs. And remember, for all your wagering needs, Bet Rivers in New York, in New Jersey, Play Sugar House in Connecticut. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.